This week, the former president Thabo Mbeki on the Wagner mutiny. It's by-election week, polls that impact as many as 100,000 voters, and the worry is political violence in KwaZulu-Natal. Talking politics, a tough new job for the new ANC leadership in the Western Cape. Imagine living for almost three decades without electricity. We'll tell you the story of one family in Bizana and the new television spectacular Shaka Ilembi. I'm Jeremy Maggs and with me political editor Zukili Majova and we hope another 20 minutes or so of conversation about the state that we find ourselves in. So Zukili, let's start with this. On Saturday, we watched this astonishing story of this attempted mutiny, insurrection, uh, call it what you want, that was playing out uh, in the streets of Russia. Uh, but in the end, uh, it amounted to absolutely nothing. Interesting to see that the former president, Thabo Mbeki, has weighed in saying it was just a sideshow. I'm wondering, though, if it was a little bit more than that. Given where it now positions Vladimir Putin, it seems to have emboldened um, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, it might have changed the chessboard as far as this particular issue is concerned. How have you been reading it? Jeremy, it's, it's important for so-called strong men of the world to be challenged, you know, and no, all along we didn't know how powerful or how weak Putin is. And it turns out that he doesn't have a complete control or grip on, on his own military. Right in the middle of a war to have around 25,000 soldiers turning around from your front line back to the main city to try and bomb you. I mean, that is crazy. No one even thought something like that was possible. We now know about the vulnerabilities of, 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 of uh, Vladimir Putin and also the weaknesses in the front line of his, of, of his army. You know, people have been sacrificing their lives for a war that they were briefed and it's beginning to change and look differently. It's becoming an ugly war, a war against human rights. Children are being abducted from their homes and taken to and Russia by force well. and all of that. And it's dragging on forever. He continues to call it a special a special operation. This this is a war. And those soldiers didn't really go, go, go there for a full-blown war. So back at home, um, there are two interesting African dynamics to the story. One is the Wagner Group itself and the role that it's played in Africa, most notably countries like Sudan and Chad. And secondly, uh, this rather dismissive response from the former president, uh, Thabo Mbeki. Let's look at that first of all. He was suggesting that it was a sideshow, as I've mentioned, didn't stand a hope in hell. Whether it did or didn't, it did certainly alter perception about the conflict, as you've said. I mean, he was, he was seriously playing it down. He was, he was speaking at UNISA for, when they were celebrating 150 years of UNISA, where he is the chancellor. And, and he was basically, basically saying everybody was excited about what looked like a coup, and it was, it was, it was far from it. Uh, the members of this uh, Wagner group are going to be incorporated into the Russian army, and those who continue to be, to, to be rebellious are going to be isolated, and, and therefore we shouldn't have um, made a big deal. It's it's a small storm in a teacup. I mean, I didn't I didn't see it that way. I mean, you had soldiers arriving in in, in big cities here. You know, it didn't come to an encounter. You know, uh, but it was not a small thing. 
Why would he have made that comment then? And I know that we're in the realms of speculation here, but was there a, a motive? Was there an objective in what he was trying to say? I would think, Jeremy, it comes from an ANC background broadly. I mean, even if you look at the, the, the statements from our government and statements from their ANC and their friendship of Russia, there has been none that talks about this Wagner group and, and how close they came, how they uh, 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 have shaken uh, Putin's, Putin's So in other ground. words, a sign of past loyalty. But also there, there has been nothing of condemnation of the works of Wagner Group from the ANC and its government in Africa and, and all of those parts. This is a group of people who can be a law unto themselves, especially where they provide military for mining operations in the continent. You're and all absolutely of that. right. And these are lots of people that have been recruited directly from prison. Exactly. Even if you are friends with Russia, but a country like South Africa with its background of human rights and its posture as far as human rights are concerned, should have had lots of statements around the Wagner Group, as at least around its operations in the continent. Let's, let's bring it home now. And this week, uh, in fact, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, uh, tomorrow being Wednesday, um, there are a number of by-elections in different centers across multiple provinces. Uh, as many as 100,000 registered voters uh, can make their mark. Uh, often, particularly with 2024 just around the corner and the election then, these events are seen as a litmus test for uh, what might happen next year. Uh, but more importantly, perhaps, municipal elections, I would contend, are the most important type of political manifestation or political expression. This is about where it's about service delivery. It's about the provision of water. It's about the provision of, uh, of, of, of decent infrastructure, roads, uh, making sure that the traffic lights work. Uh, people, I suspect, will be going to the polls more with that in mind, given the catastrophic failure of service delivery across so many indices in this country. But you also make the point um, this week, and you write about one family in Bazana in the Eastern Cape that has been without electricity for almost three decades. And therein, I'm suggesting, lies a metaphor. So what's the story about and why in the context of these municipal elections is this important. There are millions of families in South Africa that are living without access to electricity, water, even more where in an entire home, in an entire household, there's not a single person who's working. You know, this, 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 is, this is really, really bad. I mean, how do, how do these people decide to vote? Uh, and it's unacceptable. No one... In South Africa, no matter how bad we are, 30 years on should be without this, this, this kind of uh, uh, simple, simple uh, 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 resources, you know. So we, we zoom in on, on this particular one family just to tell this, this kind of story. It's a family of 10 people, you know. And in those parts of the world, Jeremy, it's very normal. You know, in my grandmother's village, there's no water. And then there's never been water. So it's it's normal. People wake up in the, in, and they go to the next borehole. Uh, well, it's and go, not and go normal. And, and go, it's, and, it's normal, perhaps, in their lived reality. Yeah. But it's a, it's abnormal in 2023. Abnormal, totally that unacceptable. Is, it's completely unacceptable. And, and, and the frustrating part about this thing, Jeremy, is that it's never an issue about, about resources. You know, no one comes in and says, 
you know, there's there's no money. You know, it's to an extent it's political will. You know, it's the thinking that that you are not getting there. You know, it's so frustrating. Now these by elections are becoming even more important. Before we get to the by elections, this family, yes, have they given up? Have they have they now accepted this as? part and parcel of their lives that they have no expectation that things will improve. Because if that's the case, that's an even more pathetic indictment on governance in this country and the ruling party. Jeremy, millions of people have given up. We've got today, the report came out that now 10 million people are unemployed. Millions of those people will never know what it feels like to earn a salary. A salary, Jeremy, no matter how small... By the way, the highest no unemployment rate in the world. Let me say that again. Highest unemployment rate in the world right now. That's a disgrace as well. It's unbelievable, Jeremy. In a country like this with such huge potentials, this is what is frustrating about, about what we are going through as South Africans. How can young people now, we are saying that that person will never earn a salary right through their lives you know i mean i remember getting my first salary it it, it changes you it makes you a different person it gives you a different standing in a in, different in, standing and in a your degree family and, and in your society it gives you a dignity a hope an ability to make a change in 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 your in your in your own small family you know to be denied that it's just unacceptable which is why these by-elections this week are so important. By-elections have become so important, especially at local level. Previously, Jeremy, it didn't matter if there was a by-election because you always knew the outcome. But now, since the last elections of local government, with almost 60 municipalities left hung, no one getting an outright majority, a by-election has become so important. And it's not necessarily a play between the three majority parties, the ANC and the Democratic Alliance and the EFF. You have other players coming into the fray and also independents who are standing, who know their communities and who believe they can do a better job. Jeremy, people are, 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 are frustrated with coalitions saying they, work, they don't work. Actually, things are very exciting right now, Jeremy, in terms of the South African political context. In KZN, uh, in Danhausen, Newcastle, and all of those areas, you've got a party called TSSA. It's, it's Team Sugar South Africa. You know, uh, in this particular a, a, a change of government, yesterday at Danhausen, a local municipality where the IFP was taken out, ANC came in with the help of a small a party called Community Freedom Party, C CFP. You know, these there are all, all sorts of these small parties that just come in from communities. You've got the community of Deep Sloot, very angry. They've been angry now for two weeks. Who knows? They can start their own party and run and run their own ward, run themselves. You know, get a budget and, and use that budget in their own ward because you get to have your own development plan that you present to the citizens and all of those things. If those people will channel that anger all those stone throwing at the, at the police vehicles, etc. Channel it differently and move away from those who have failed themselves. I mean, who have failed them and group them themselves into a community group and get a chunk of of their money and use it to uh, to improve things in their world. That is what needs to happen. You need to have all of these small groupings of of communities and the, and, and 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 fight and the change. You can see the change especially at by-election. Once one seat 
swings an entire municipality. Unfortunately, in our case in Johannesburg, we're still stuck with Al Jama and people that we don't know who voted them only get less than a percentage of the vote. And, and that's the unfortunate part of it. But change in every small town, every ward is happening, Jeremy. You've also raised the point about the potential for violence in KwaZulu-Natal this week as a result of by-elections. We know traditionally uh, that is almost part and parcel of the electoral process in one way or another. What are you hearing in that respect? And again, with an eye on the on the bigger poll next year. Jeremy, last time we were sitting here, we were talking about how the IFP and ANC ended up in the same tent and there was no, there couldn't be a government event there. People were throwing chairs at each other, etc. It happened again uh, this week. There was another event and the IFP boycotted that, that particular event because the MEC of, 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 of Community Safety in Guazulu Natal arrived at the event with ANC people wearing ANC T-shirt. This is a government event. And this is the problem with the blurring of the lines between the ANC, the party, and the ANC government. Here in Johannesburg, you had thousands of people lining outside an ANC June 16 event to submit their CVs for, gov for 8,000 government jobs. We you cannot allow this thing to happen. You, you, you just, those jobs are not ANC jobs. You know, this, this, this is the public service. There is a complete blurring of the lines, which in an environment like KZN becomes very, very problematic. You know, you can't have it. It's very irresponsible. An MEC comes to a government event to give service to the people, coming in with people wearing ANC regalia. This, this weekend, President uh, Ramaphosa is going to uh, Alfred du uh, Duma Municipality in, KZ, in KZN, and he's going this weekend when there is a by-election in that municipality the following Wednesday. What is that? Is that still a government in Bizo? You know, so the people there can see that this is not a government in Bizo. Mm -hmm. This is the use of government resources to come and punt the ANC on the eve of an important by-election. Which is dishonest. It's, it's unfortunate. It leaves people seriously politically charged, serious polarization that is happening. In any case, Jeremy, normally in South Africa, when there's going to be election season, you can't, you can't keep the entire nation politically charged, you know, with all these by-elections that are happening every day and you don't have cops uh, that are there policing the, the situation, making sure that uh, there is nothing that is happening that is violent, all of that, you know. I'm telling you, Jeremy, it's coming very, very, very close. And like I'm saying, the last report that we had, there were people hitting each other with chairs inside one tent. You know, somebody in the video that we had, an IFP person was holding a firearm at his waist, wanting to pull it out and, and, and didn't pull it out. But on the video, you can actually see that anything could have happened there. There was no chair throwing in the Western Cape this past weekend. There's a newly elected leadership of the ANC, and they have one mandate you write. One is to unite the party, which we know has been fractious for years. That's very difficult. It will be difficult. The second part of that mandate is to reduce the Democratic Alliance majority. And there's a new man leading the charge, but... Not too many people know who he is. So new broom sweeping clean. Uh, is the ANC on some sort of a recovery path in the Western Cape? Or would that be hopeful thinking from the Thule House? This is actually 
um, uh, very nice, Jeremy, in the sense that you get a guy who's 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 known to have worked the the branches, worked the bottom of the party, and all of that, but he's not known for corruption. There's nothing. There's nothing so far. And and he's been around for years, just working with the communities and all of that. And there's not a finger. Obviously, now he very close to power, you know. And people tend to change. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, JJ Chalisisu, he came in as an outsider, and with the support of the a powerful region, the Dala Omar region, very powerful in the ANC, um, uh, quite a respected region for many, many years. But he's got a big job and is to unite the branches in the province. Good, good, good luck uniting and the branches. And how does he do? How does, how, how do you even start doing that? Good luck doing that. But to an extent, this is a guy who doesn't come with baggage. You know, if they really want to have a fresh start, this is the guy that they can have a fresh start with. Obviously, reducing the majority of the DA in the province. Well, the last election, the DA was able to reduce itself somehow. It lost 5% um, of, of, of the vote from the previous from the previous election. That's 135,000 people who previously voted for the DA, who didn't vote for the DA in the 2019 election. Obviously, the different dynamics now that are coming in in the Western Cape, people like the good party. Of Which Pat, begs of Patricia, the question, I'm glad you raised the good Patricia party. Dillil. Is she the trump card then? Is there a coalition trump card to be played? Jeremy, we've been wondering for a while. She was brought into an ANC a government, given an executive post in the, in the national cabinet, and then that, that has been renewed now. She's, she's, she's in, in an important department where she can really make a difference, especially coming from the Western Cape, broadly a tourism, a largely tourism province. She's the Minister of Tourism, and she seems to be doing a good job. There is a reason why Ramaphosa is insisting and taking the risk of not putting an ANC cadre there and giving all of those resources to someone who comes from a different party, you know. And when you look at the Western Cape and the, the impact that the good party we think is going to have in this coming election, look, if they can get to 10%, the ANC is at 31%, it's, it's, it's a worthy ally. Already ANC has got allies like the EFF, they are just a 2% party in the Western Cape. But you've got other things like patriotic alliance in part of the, 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 the Karoo towns and all of that, they are having an impact there. Now you start seeing a possible ANC coalition that can come very close to about 40% and all of that, depending on how the DA plays its cards. So how does that, my next question then, how does the DA play its cards then? Must be worried now. Yeah, yeah, look, they, they, they really have to step up, especially when it comes to colored communities, black communities, etc. You know, people are still getting shot in the Cape Flats. In broad, often, in, seen in as a party, often seen as a party of the suburbs. Again, it cannot be that. It can no longer afford because the DA has proven, has proven itself that it can be a governing party. You know, it, it can do good governance and all of that. But can it be a party for everybody? Because at the end of the day, this country is going to fall or stand based on, the, on, on what happens to the black middle class. And those are the people that they need to, 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 to attract. You know, it's basically, that's what they need to do. Get out of the suburbs now. Begin to, to get new players, new voters. A lot of people, Jeremy, whether you are 
black or white or not. You do not want to have potholes. You do not want to have rubbish outside of your place and, 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 and rats coming into your property and all of that. You do not want sewage streaming in your streets. This is not a black or white issue. This is something you don't want. Any party that's going to it's deliver uni- on it's this uni- it's a universal is issue. going to get votes. That's what the DA needs to do. It cannot be a black or white party. It needs to reposition itself and get the job done in terms of service delivery and for everybody. And moving up the coast, the DA in a little bit of trouble in the Eastern Cape legislature. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sad part. Again, you've got Mede Melenzile involved in oh. another racism issue. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- th- this is disturbing. You know, Ngaba Banga, uh, who is the leader of the DA in the Eastern Cape legislature, has been has been given f- uh, 48 hours, which ends today, uh, to explain himself because he, he called the, um, the madam uh, a racist. You know, he says white DA is jealous of him because he's got a big house now in uh, in Warma in Port Elizabeth. He says it looks like Nkandla. Well, it's a house he bought for six million rand. It's, it's it's quite big, and he says everyone is jealous of that. That's why they're trying to scrutinize it. But what's this thing about uh, him, uh, Banga, accusing Zilla of keeping files on on black people? I mean, that, that's in- that's why he he labelled her racist. She's got a file of all black people. This is what he said. Story that was on Scroller. Yesterday I learned how she got information to try and destroy the ANC. I'm hurt to know that she was working with the ANC against me. I mean, do you lend credence to that? No, I mean, we don't know. We don't know anything of, of, of the sort. There's, there's no proof of any kind. We understand from our sources in the Eastern Cape that is apparently close to some people uh, who are in the business with the background of the ANC and all of that, uh, being a very well-known uh, DA person. We do not know if there is corruption or not as far as that is concerned. So that that's that story unfortunately maybe Nava Banga is preparing to leave the DA the way I see it you know it doesn't look like he's going to apologize or you know there are many opportunities that ex- I get exist that but it also creates like that. there are optics problems for the DA when this kind of thing. and again that's the thing even if even if Nava Banga is on the wrong it's going to come out as another black leader leaves the DA you know which again is going to be very unfortunate for the DA. Looking at the timing, he's somebody who's influential. So far, he has not been involved in 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 in, in corruption and all of that. With with now, with all these things that are coming out, maybe it might be related to that. But he's been a clean guy for a long time, and if he leaves the DA, it would be very unfortunate. The reason why why I want to end this podcast now is that I need to go home because there's a television series that has just started that you are going to recommend highly. (laughs) First episode breaks South African records. And I'm kidding because I've seen the first episode. It's pretty good and my understanding is it is historically very accurate. Uh, Shaki Lembe, have you been watching it? Jeremy, people love history. It's amazing how people love history. You know, Especially if I mean, you juice it up with some, how did you put it, with, with, with some good assets. <laughs> Interestingly, Jeremy, over 100, yeah. over 100 years have passed 
since the Titanic fell, people in South Africa still want to go and see the Titanic. You know, I would be interested if there was a safe journey to the Titanic to be part of that. You know, so a history like the history of Shaka. I mean, it's, you know, it's woven told, into the tapestry of South told Africa. It's yeah. told all over yeah. again. You know, we've got a new king now. I mean, so you can get the context of a new modern king. He looks handsome. People love him. He's a lovable king. You know, and it comes straight from Shaka's generation. Well, but quite interesting, when you look at this production, Jeremy, it's a massive production. Just look at the hairstyles. The hairstyles, Jeremy, those, those hairstyles are going to trend for a long time. You look at the fashion, the garments, the involvement of the entire South African fashion and design industry. It's, it's an amazing thing. Those hearts that are there, they were built from scratch. It was a massive, massive production. It, it, it looks very good. So the production values are fantastic. The story is great. Uh, the acting is sublime, but most importantly, it tells me that finally we do have the capability and the capacity to do something which is on par with the rest of the world. Because I can also tell you, a series like this will fly all over the world. Something to be proud of. This is something to be very, very proud of. Broke the records, 3.6 million people watched it. The first episode, obviously, the, when there's a repeat and all of that, with the hype that has come out, obviously, uh, Zulu women were beautiful, young men were tough with six packs and all of that. It makes for really, really good viewing, Jeremy. And I think that's a good place to leave it. That's this week's scroller cast from both of us. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Toby Shapshak is our executive producer. Hans Baumgarten is our technical director. And if you like the conversation, please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And there is more content daily on scroller.africa. Mm-hmm.